0: Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Joan Mylander and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King and you're
2: listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Brophy. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights
1: out and away we go. Away we go.
2: Hello and welcome to News From The Nerds, the midweek news show by The Formula Nerds. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll cover the main news headlines from the past week. You may have noticed I'm back. I'm Ollie, and with me to discuss the news today, we have Abby. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. It's good to have you back and on the news podcast for a change.
2: Thank you. Well, I missed the other one, and I missed the one before that, so I thought I'd better show my face and just hijack this one. Um, Grace, how are you?
3: I'm very well, thank you. And I think you forgot to mention that you're a very... Tanned Ollie. You're very tanned and you're back and you're ready, ready to delve into some Formula One nonsense. I'm excited to have you back.
2: Thank you, thank you. Ah, oh, this is wonderful. Sad, are you treat. glad to are you glad to have me back?
0: I am, and I like how you you said you were back before you said your name. It reminded me a little bit of that like, um, you know, I'm you know, I'm sad and then dad's like, hi sad, I'm dad. Like that joke, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> It's one of our all-time
2: favourites. But we've just had the Miami Grand Prix. Now, we've spoke about it at great detail on our last episode, the Miami Grand Prix Review. Uh, But one thing that did break over the weekend was Ferrari potentially breaking the rules in their tyre test. Um, They've now been cleared, but the rest of the teams are looking for more transparency. Guys, what's going on? Can you add
0: add a little more meat to the bone? So, Ferrari used it as an opportunity to test a new floor on Carlos Sainz's car. So, this has obviously come under a little bit of scrutiny because they were there to test tyres on behalf of Pirelli. They shouldn't really have been gaining any data and information that would advantage them throughout the season. So, this has been, as I said, under scrutiny from the other teams and they were cleared over the weekend for no wrongdoing. However, the outcome of this is that the rest of the team's Want more transparency moving forward to ensure that this kind of thing doesn't happen because I can totally understand why they might be a little bit peeved if Ferrari are, you know, making, you know, making a headway on the back of a what should have been a tyre centric, completely focused test.
1: Yeah, I think the flaw that they ran on Sciences car was one that they ran in pre season testing. So that was why it was why they were cleared from that because it was allowed but like you said the teams they need more transparency and they need to know that Ferrari or any team aren't testing new parts that they shouldn't be during these tests beforehand and not just see them when they're on track and then have to question it with the FIA but yeah I think going forward the FIA do need to be more transparent and the teams need to trust in the FIA that they have this handled and that But I'm glad that Ferrari are cleared of it all.
3: You say that you're glad that Ferrari have been cleared from it. But it's not like Ferrari is their first instance of being a little bit dodgy. Like Ferrari are known for being sneaky and a bit mm, always in that grey area. Because I I don't really know what was going on about this tyre test. And I saw you post about it or something. And I was like, oh, it's obviously going to be Ferrari. I just think, especially with what's been said about them and Haas recently about how they're very close and they could potentially be sharing information I get where everyone else is coming from with the transparency and I guess other teams could be doing it too like Mercedes with their like Mercedes engine teams it does always seem to be Ferrari doing it so I don't know I think F1 does need to be a lot more transparent in this aspect but I do also like the mystery of it so that's where I'm standing
2: I think, I think it should be if you're testing tyres you can't change parts during that session um, unless you know there's, there's another reason to do that so you know they ran two floors why did they need to run two floors you stick with the one FIA should be policing that should be should be as simple as that and, and you know the, the, the team's reaction to this is um, you know they need more transparency into what's going on they don't the FIA just need to closer to it and make sure they're not changing a floor halfway through, regardless of if they've used it before or not. We're so early in this season and this um, era of cars that, you know,
0: changing a floor at any time, it's going to give you more and more data. Um, the point is tyres, keep it at tyres. I like how we're saying that there needs to be more transparency. I mean, you know, it's very earnest and, you know, I feel like every time something like this happens, everyone earnestly sits around, says so we need more transparency and there's nothing wrong with that. The sport says it itself, the teams say it, we say it as pundits. But nothing ever changes. It's just like the cycle that we go through. Something a little bit kind of underhand happens. We need more transparency. So I don't really see anything changing. Sorry to be yo uh, Debbie Downer on this one.
3: Oh, it won't change, but I'm saying they should try at least, at least put on the facade that they're gonna try.
0: By the way,
2: didn't wasn't this discovered by them tweeting pictures and it was clear that they had a different floor? Isn't isn't that how
0: this came out? No. Nah, nothing in football hilarious. that would be referred to as an own goal.
1: Well, speaking of Ferrari That team and Charles Leclerc are still leading the championships, albeit the gap between Max Verstappen and Leclerc and Ferrari and Red Bull has gotten a lot smaller since Miami. But Christian Horner has come out to say, well, he said that he was hoping that they wouldn't have another competitive year like last year, which I found surprising. And he anticipates that this fight between Max and Charles will go to the final race till Abu Dhabi, like we saw with Max and Lewis last year. I think it could go that way. I think with Max's success so far, if they sort out all the reliability issues, we've seen him win every race he's seen the chequered flag in. And with Charles Leclerc, he is certainly fighting this year at the front of the pack. So I think we could see a title fight till the end race. What do you guys think? I feel like you might disagree with me here.
3: I love the stats that every time Max has seen the chequered flag he wins it's a great start and if you're a commentator you're gonna whip out every chance you get but everyone's like Charles would have won in Australia and Bahrain anyway yeah he would have but Max still would have gotten some points rather than a DNF I think people forgetting that everyone says titles are won in the long run it's a marathon not a sprint but if Max is getting points now that reliability sorted even if Charles wins he's still doing a lot better than he was at the start of the season. So I think Max could easily win it. Because I think when Charles isn't first, he might lose his nut.
0: That's, that, that is a fair point, that Max did drop valuable points. Uh, and maybe that's what you're going to... Red
3: Rebel, of... I think, sorry, because Bull and Ferrari are not far apart at all now. And they've had DNFs.
0: Exactly. And I think that kind of plays into the kind of, the idea that this could go down to the wire. Obviously, we know that that's unlikely by, you know, historical precedent but in the hybrid era there's only been you know two or three seasons where at this stage of the season it looks competitive obviously last year and a couple of years between mercedes and ferrari so yeah we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see how the development race goes um yeah i could see it being wrapped up two or three races before realistically but ultimately we want a title fight the wire
1: yeah and i think with Ferrari and Red Bull, I think it's only like six points between them. Now, like you said, Grace, both teams have had DNFs because science in Australia, Animala, he did DNF in them. So he lost points there. But Matteo Bonotto said today that that Ferrari need to respond to Red Bull's pace because they are like a couple of tenths quicker per lap than Ferrari. But that's not what's worrying him the most. It's the development that Red Bull. Are making with the budget cap, so it's interesting to see that aspect of it.
2: I think there was an article that we put out uh, towards the back end of last year regarding um, it was Helmut Marco saying that Max Verstappen couldn't handle this pressure again this year or along those lines. So I think there's a genuine concern here of are they going to have to battle for it? I mean, my opinion is you know Red Bull are going to potentially fly past Ferrari here, um, but. If there is this struggle all the way through the year, like they had last year, that's going to be concerning the team bosses because can Max take that pressure again? You
0: know, he was near breaking point. I think you can have a battle across a season without it having the same intensity as last year. We're five races in, we're, we're getting towards the quarter stage of the year, and it feels nowhere near as intense and mentally draining. You know then last year and I say that as a fan <laughs> who obviously has a but a fraction of that kind of stress uh, involved um don't worry I'm not totally conceited um so yeah I, I think you can have a title fight that isn't quite as strenuous um but ultimately I'm I am pleased that we are already seeing those kind of you know mind game or political games from the, the team principals, I do think it adds to the, uh, to the show a little bit
3: I have two interesting points coming from this discussion, one of them is that Ollie. I think it's interesting that you see that Max was near breaking point whereas that was the end of the season last year, I feel like we're already starting to see Charles snap a bit and it's five races in, whereas Max was getting a bit up and down at the start of the season but that was more due to the car not his driving and then this leads me on to my other point which is brilliant I say it's brilliant is that have you mentioned the DNFs from Ferrari and Red Bull the DNFs from Ferrari are mainly driver error and the lo- loss of points were driver error like Charles going for fastest lap and all that whereas the Red Bull DNFs have purely been car related reliability and I think Red Bull have got a much stronger team of drivers with a much stronger mental game because they've been in the title fight just last year so they know how to handle it
2: and and that's why I think that the pressure's on Max Verstappen now is they finished a a championship where they they went into the last race equal on points so it's going to be fresh in Verstappen's mind that every single point matters and you know with like you've said with Leclerc making mistakes and, and, and science making mistakes those are the wins that are going to get them that championship um, at the end of the season because they're going to nail this reliability. It's going to happen. Um, and I think, you know, coming from a year like last year, Max Verstappen's still going to be in exactly that same frame of mind where it, every point matters, which is why we've seen him be so disappointed.
0: Yeah, I think ultimately, if it comes down to a development race, Red Bull win it. We've already seen that so far this year. They have outdeveloped Ferrari, they've come from behind in Bahrain to a place now where we're kind of scratching our heads going where did Ferrari find that time from You know, how do they drop that drag that is obviously uh, affecting their, their straight line speed which is the big killer for them at the moment so yeah it, it will come down to a development race and Ferrari haven't been as good at developing their cars as Red Bull have over the last few years
3: And you say if it comes down to a development race I also think if it is literally just on drivers I think Red Bull wins because Max knows how to do it I arguably think he's a better driver than Charles and I think the pairing is just a lot more solid this year
0: well actually I think this car this year plays into Checo's hands more than last year so you've got a more even pairing than you maybe would have imagined but as you said Grace you, your point is backed up by the fact that we are seeing driver errors from Ferrari and we're not really from Red Bull um, so yeah but moving further down the grid um, we had two very, very strong performances from the back of the pack over the weekend. Alex Albon scored his second and third point of the season, and Esteban Ockham recovered from a nasty incident uh, before qualifying, which saw him unable to participate in that session to uh, to score points as well. So, guys, what were your thoughts on their performances?
3: I was very happy because I am a quietly, quietly silent Ocon fan. Not my favorite driver, but I really do like him. And I think he's definitely showing everyone when he took, he had his year off because he didn't get a seat that he deserves a seat now. And I think it was in the first three races, he was one of few to only score points. And then again, he, he did so well. And it, obviously, some of it was down to strategy, but he recovered from not starting because he couldn't qualify, so getting decent points. And I, I remember I said on the race review podcast I was disappointed with Ocon's restart, but looking back, I don't think there was any way he could have gotten higher just because of the pack in front of him was so strong. So I literally think he performed that car the best he could on race day. I think it was great. And
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what, what makes their performances look so good is the juxtaposition between the performances of their teammates as well. Alonso, I think has he looks worse in the standings than maybe his season actually has been. If you look at how hot he looked in Australia um, and, you know, other factors there, Latifi has looked out of sorts as well. So you've got that kind of battle of are they outperforming the car? Are their teammates underperforming? It's difficult to get a reference point for actually where those teams are at this point. What are your thoughts on Alonso and Latifi?
3: I think if you look at last season, we see Gasly and Sonoda, and many say Gasly outperformed the Alfertari. That could have been the case, but also Sonoda was a rookie and he wasn't driving particularly well, so Gasly could have just been driving the car as it should have been, and Sonoda just wasn't keeping pace. So that could be the same this year. Alonso could finally be too old for F1 and just not have his pizzazz anymore. And Latifi, he just he, he had a bad end of season last year so that could be affecting him so either Albon and Ocon are driving the pants off this car and their teammates are just doing okay or they're driving the car as best as it can be and their teammates aren't following it's one or the other could be a bit of both
1: for me, I've been really impressed with Ocon and Albon's performances this year, especially Albon coming into Williams and that he's part of the Twitch quartet with Russell, Norris and Leclerc. So I have a soft spot for Albon and it's great seeing him perform like that. With Alonso, he's only finished in the points in one race this season so far. Obviously, Miami, he would have done, but with the penalties, he got pushed out of them. I think it's interesting that you say about him like... Nearing the end of his F1 career, Grace, because he has said that he doesn't want to. he doesn't want to leave yet, and I think he will fight to keep his seat as much as he can. And I wrote there was an article on our website today, and they said that Alpine said that it, yes, it's been frustrating for Alonso, but there are better things to come, and he's still pushing for more. I think we will see him improve, maybe not reach the level that ocon is driving at the moment, but he can improve. And with Latifi. Yeah, I, I think he's just struggling to get his head around that car. I, th-
2: I think with Alonso, you've got to look at his, his career. He is an incredible driver. He's had so much experience. He is a, he's an asset to that team. He's had a bit of, you know, he's not been the luckiest uh, so far this season, uh, which is a huge, huge, uh, a huge factor in, in, in where he is in the points. Now, I think uh, Alpine as a team, they are, you know, they're, they're making huge steps forward Ocon is turning into an incredible driver. He's never had quite the opportunity to show himself, um, and you know if if you look at the two driving together, they're incredible. But when you look at the two, you know, fighting against each other in uh, Jeddah earlier in the year, um, you can see that they're both world championship quality drivers. Um, I'm not sure that you can put Albon and Latifi against these two in terms of in comparison. Um, Latifi. I think there's big question marks on whether he should be on the F1 grid at the moment. Albon has shown why he should be here. He's matured as a driver, matured as a human. um, And he's absolutely proving why he should be on the grid. Latifi, I'm not sure if he is.
0: I think you make a really good point about about Ocon there. Because, yeah, absolutely, Albon should be there. And he's had a fantastic start to the season. But I think we forget just how good um, Ocon looked when he entered F1. And those couple of early seasons at at Racing Point, he was really good. He was the heir apparent to that Mercedes seat for a while, and unfortunately for him, George Russell, you know, was so quick on a on a Saturday. He I mean, wasn't that great on a Sunday. He I mean, made mistakes, but anyway, he's he's ended up not getting that seat, and he's kind of ended up in this kind of purgatory, almost this this in between stage of his career. Um, yeah, I think we'll have to see how it unfolds, but I think you're absolutely right about Latifi
2: there. You've got to look at Ocon and Perez, right? Because they were together um, a few years ago and they've gone in completely different directions. And Ocon was the development driver for Mercedes as well. So, you know, there's many different ways his career could have gone. I think he's in absolutely the right place right now and he's he's shining. Um, And when you're shining against Fernando Alonso, whether luck or not, um, it puts you in good stead for your future.
3: I think at the time when the decisions were being made with Ocon he might not have thought this was the road he wanted his career to go especially with Mercedes being so in his in his face he could have easily got there if the joke is if a time traveler moves a chair that could have easily been Ocon's seat if something else happened that just forced it to be but I think he's made a pretty smooth move because Alpine seem to be coming on leaps and bounds they've got completely new management structure completely new roles for people they've poached Aston Martin's sponsors team principal and a lot of their personnel and it seems to be working well and they've got Piastri on the starting blocks I think when Alonso's career and contract does come into question and you look at Piastri Alpine could be going for a very a pair of young drivers Alpine Alonso's got Alpine to the place it is now. Maybe they need two young drivers.
2: I think, I think my final point on, on Ocon, you know, and, and, and you talk about time travel, moving chairs, um, interesting thought. But we've been there. Um, Mercedes picked Bottas over Ocon. There's, there's a reason for that. They know him better than we do. Um, they had that decision, you know, it was Ocon's seat, but they picked
1: Bottas.
0: I think that ultimately Ocon is, is though ready now to step into that role of of a team lead driver and be partnered by Piastri. I think Alonso's served his purpose for the team and he is he will go down as a legend. In terms of accolades, He, I think he's underrepresented. You know, He was so close to being a five-time world champion. I think it's something like eight or 12 points is what separates him from being a five-time world champion. I mean, you could throw that stat about lots of drivers, but you get my point. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, and there's always kind of moving reference points uh, with drivers and teams. You know, kind of especially the midfield being as fluid as it has been this year. But another team that's kind of looking to move more towards that midfield, and, and I think they have done in recent races, is Aston Martin, and they had a, they had a frustrating weekend. They looked really really promising. Lance Stroll, you know, got to Q three, and then they had the fuel temperature issue on Sunday. So essentially, what happened there was the fuel wasn't at the correct temperature, it was too cool uh, to be put into the car. So they weren't able to get the guys onto the grid. So both of them had to start from a pit lane. However, I think they both recovered really, really well in the race and had, you know, showed uh, you know, strong form, albeit, you know, they're on an alternate strategy. But they would have both got points had it not been for a uh, for mixed incident. What do you guys think about it?
2: I mean, from what I'm hearing, um, there's, a, there's a change in direction for Aston Martin coming up very soon um, and there's talks of pretty much, well, they're calling it a semi-new car. So they're clearly deciding to go in a different direction. I think um, I really feel bad for Aston Martin because they, you know, they, they've, they've put all the investment in, they've, they've made all the team structure changes and I think that's a bit of the reason why it hasn't quite clicked yet. Um, But I think we've got a a major change of fortune coming for for Aston Martin. I wouldn't be, uh, do not expect them to be where they
0: are now in the championship come the end of the season. But also you've got the rumours of Aldi potentially coming in to buy the team, which I find really interesting given the effort, time and money that went into rebranding as Aston Martin and obviously the allure and everything that comes with that name. So yeah, we'll have to see. Apparently they're gonna be keeping it kind of, you know, thick round the uh the waist of the car. Um so I like the kind of the grills. Um so I'm I'm pleased that they'll stay, but maybe it could be more Ferrari shaped like.
3: I was gonna say they've gone fat like Ferrari, but they just haven't got the finish like Ferrari has. And this is throwing it back right until car releases and car launches. But when I watched the Aston Martin car launch, yeah, I thought it was a bit cringe with like Lawrence Stroll doing his big speech. But I did think, oh, they've definitely gone to something. They're going to be ones to watch. I think they really believe in themselves. And it's really disappointing to see them in P9 in the championship. I think they thought they were going to be a lot better than they are. And now they're thinking on their feet. So maybe the new direction, critical thinking, it will work for them. I hope it
1: does yeah i agree with you grace watching the car launch one i absolutely loved delivery but i did think that aston martin would have nailed this car and i the start to their season was very rocky for them and unfortunate obviously vessel had COVID, so whether that played a part in it or not i don't know but it did take them a few races to actually score any points and miami they had a rocky start to that obviously starting from the pit lane like you said sam but Stroll, he managed to get into the points. Yes, he finished 10th, but that's still a point. Vettel, unfortunately, had the incident with Mick. But hopefully, this new car that they'll bring in Barcelona and the different design, I think it's the slimmer rear and wider side pods, will change their fortune. I would like to see them fighting more midfield, higher up, fin- getting working their way through the standings and that. Because Stroll and Vettel are good drivers. We know Vettel is. But... At the moment, it's, they're not really showing their full potential, I don't think.
0: So what you're saying, Abby, is not to sleep on my pre-season prediction that Seb will win the title.
1: <laughs> you can take it that way if you
3: want.
0: Good, good. I'm glad we're all in agreement.
3: I mean, you say that, I hate to say this, but I feel like Lance looks a lot more comfortable with the car. And yeah, he's had two races on Seb, but he is performing a bit better. So maybe, maybe Lance will get the championship. No one will have seen that.
1: Well, Seb does look like he is struggling from the after effects of COVID. He does look like he is struggling with it. And like after Miami, we saw Carlos in the driver's room, how much he was struggling from that race. And yes, Seb didn't complete it, but I can I can't imagine the toll that it would have on him following COVID.
3: Especially being in your thirties. Can't imagine that. COVID wrecked me and I'm not even twenty one.
0: Well Seb does have quite a an exciting um couple of days planned. So, Grace, do you want to take it away?
3: So, I, many of our listeners, I guess, are British, so you will have heard of Question Time, but if you're not British and you don't know what Question Time is, it's basically a political talk show. It happens on a Thursday. They move around the country and film in different location. They have a panel and they get audience members and some of the audience members... Questions they put forward, you have to put a question forward to become an audience member, get picked and you ask them. I know from personal experience, don't go and look that up because that was a few years ago and I look very young. But Seb is going to be a panel member in tomorrow, so at time of recording, this is Wednesday, and tomorrow is question time. And he's very active in the political realms now. Never used to be, but I think he's truly seeing how the responsibility of his position in the limelight can truly help people and help the world I'm just excited to see how he does because we know he's lovable
2: I I think this is this is absolutely fantastic well whilst Aston Martin aren't nailing things on track their communications department and I will shout out to our good friend of the podcast Matt Bishop they're they're using Um, the platform and, you know, their driver to do good things, also to keep them in the spotlight. And, you know, Steb's done some questionable things, you know, wearing underpants over his uh, overalls. Um, He's also been uh, championing many different things, especially in um, Saudi. Um, for the LGBT community. I think this is absolutely fantastic. And it's important to keep your drivers happy, you know, and, and to allow them to do these things and really champion what, what they want to do and make a difference. So I think this is great for the sport. I think it's great for, great for Vettel and ultimately it's great for Aston Martin as well.
3: He just, as a side note, he's going on to talk about LGBT rights, climate change, sustainability and human rights. So yeah, I'm so excited.
0: I think it's really important. It's great to see drivers stand for something and use the platform. I've long felt that athletes and sports people um, have an opportunity to speak out about larger issues, and I'm really pleased to see that trend is kind of you know continuing away from the racetrack. And I think this will be the first of of more opportunities like this. Not for Vett- not just for Vettel, but for for other drivers uh, up and down the grid. I mean, I've got a quick question
2: for you guys. Uh, another driver in our sport who really likes to talk about championing things, making a difference. When was the last time he did something like this? I'm talking about Lewis Hamilton. <laughs>
3: yes, um, I gathered.
2: And I'm, I'm not particularly sure he's done anything quite on this scale. And I think, you know, if you talk in the talk, sometimes you've got to walk the walk.
3: I think it'd be great to have Lewis Hamilton on there because he does so much with other stuff. I guess also he's kind of like contractually obliged to do that stuff when he's at events and galas he always champions it and he will always stand up on the grid but he's going to be there anyway so he might as well do it then but going out of your way to go on a talk show and talk about political rights I think is a next big step and I think Hamilton should definitely do it because he has a great purpose behind his political movements. And I think people will listen to him. He's such a well-known person and respected person.
0: I, I totally agree. Um, and Lewis has championed a lot of different causes off, off track and he's involved in lots of different projects. So he does it in, I guess, in his own way is a, what, something I will say to caveat that. And also to caveat um, that point, he was, as far as I'm aware, the only driver over the Miami Grand Prix weekend to talk about a woman's right to choose. Um, which is a hot-button political issue in the United States at the moment. Uh, So he is still kind of doing that where some others aren't. Um, So I don't think... I wouldn't be too quick to knock uh, Lewis uh, in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think with like Mission 44 and the Hamilton Commission, he's helping promote change and things like that in his own way. But... All these drivers, they have massive platforms, especially Lewis and Seb. They have these massive platforms and with the growing audience of the sport, they should utilise them. So it is great to see Seb going on Question Time to talk about all these things and not just like LGBTQ rights, but climate change and sustainability as well. It is great to see and I will definitely be watching it.
2: I guess you could argue that maybe Lewis Hamilton's socials have more of a, a reach than Question Time. Um, that would be one good counter-argument to what I've just said as well. Um, but it, you know, it's worth noting, especially for Lewis, he pretty much writes his own contract. Right, he decides what press he wants to do. This is the reason you don't see him being interviewed after a race. Uh, in you know, with Sky Sports, you see all the other drivers, you never see Lewis. He's got it in his contract. He's not interested in that. Um, So, you know, there's no contractual um, restrictions for him, but it it would be good to see. But again, he does all, uh, you know, a a manner of other things, so can't fault him.
3: You say Lewis has got a reach of his socials and he does, he's got a massive reach. but that's, I'm guessing, one generation, whereas Question Time gets a wide variety of generations, like... My nana watches it and she's 80 years old. She probably doesn't even know who Sebastian Vettel is, but she'll watch it and be like, Oh, Grace, you like motorsport. Do you know who this is? And I'll be like, Yes, nan. But it's great to see people being aware of not only the person that he is and the great athlete that he is, but the fact that he's standing up for something because standing up for something is brilliant, and especially when you've got a platform.
2: So, BBC, tomorrow night, question time with Sebastian Vettel.
1: Can't wait. So, one of the things that was spoken about or noticed at during the Miami Grand Prix was the presence of the Andretti family. We had Mario Andretti in the commentary box during FP2 with Crofty and Jensen Button, but Michael Andretti was there as well and he had a different mission over the weekend. He was going into the F1 paddock, going into the different teams' garages with a piece of paper asking them to sign to show that their support for the Andresi name joining F1 as a team, as a constructor in the future. Now, apparently it's been reported that Christian Horner didn't sign that and Michael Andressi didn't even bother going to Mercedes because of Toto Wolf's comments about more teams joining the current 10 on the grid. But it does show that Andresi are not giving up to join F1, and they have finally made some direction from meetings with Stefano Dominicali and Mohammed Ben Saloum, the FIA president, so it will be interesting to see if they do actually make their way onto the F1 grid in the coming years.
2: I think this just shows how difficult it is to set up an F1 team. You've got the Andretti family, one of the most famous motorsport families that there are, and they're struggling to get a team in there. Uh, we've also got to remember the £200 setup set-up fee, uh, well, entry fee, and I know we've spoken about this before. Um, but I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes here that we're not being told. You know, Horner was asked on live TV, did he support it? He said, absolutely. Uh, and then what you've just said, Abby, contradicts that. I think this is one of those things that it's it's being it's being dealt with in boardrooms by lawyers and I'm I, I pray we get an Andretti team in addition. I don't want them to to you know join another team or take over another team. No, let's get another team on the grid. Come on, everyone support it.
0: Absolutely. We need twelve, if not thirteen, teams on the grid, really, because what we're seeing now is a backlog of drivers who aren't able to get into the sport. And that's just one of the issues with it. Now you've got Nick DeVries who probably, let's face it, is probably is not going to get his opportunity to, to race an F1, which is ludicrous. Oscar Piastri, I think, as I've said before, I think, that collectively, the the paddock has decided will be an F1 driver at some point. But then you've got Colton Herta, you've got Peto Award, you've got IndyCar drivers who are, are definitely good enough. And that kind of plays into, I think it was Toto Wolff made a comment about Andretti needing to prove themselves. And it's like, I'm sorry, like, the Andresi name was much bigger in f1 before the wolf name was and they have a, a proven record of a successful indycar team what more do, do these guys want it's that the teams shouldn't be able to exert so much control over that and i get that there's a you know sharing the pie and stuff and there's a it's a much wider issue but they are kind of stifling opportunities for for people
2: i think what we don't want is a repeat of uh, teams coming in, not performing, losing out, uh, you know. And, and again, this is all to do with prize money. Wolf, Toto Wolf, is a businessman. Um, this is all business for him. Uh, yes, he loves racing, but it,
0: it, there's so much depth to this. Um, it, it depends how deep you want to go. But ultimately, what you're referencing there, Ollie, was obviously, was the you know, kind of caterham Marisha HRT project from a decade ago where those teams were told that there'll be a budget cap imminently, they would be told that it wouldn't be too expensive, and they were set up to fail by the, by the sport and by the rest of the grid. You know, very, very expensive engine changes were pushed through, and they never stood a chance. And I think that can't be allowed to happen again. To me, the key
2: is F1 want to break America. We need the Andretti name in there, and we need an American driver. Why on earth are F1 not you know, making exceptions, making it easy for them, you know, even changing some of the entry regulations to make this easier for them. It's going to benefit the sport. You know, sometimes you have to make exceptions. And for me, this is one of them where someone needs to step in and, and take control of this.
3: I think it's great that you say that, because, you know, when you're saying about Total Wolf being a businessman and he wants his share of the pie, I think if you bring Galdretti, into the sport i think the benefits that the sport on a whole will get from that it will do something for total wolf and it will do something for mercedes they're not not going to benefit from andretti coming in and if they want a bigger slice of the pie and they want to get more prize money make a better car come first don't come third following up on that when you said the andretti name has been around a lot longer than the wolf name I think Toto Wolff might have been six years old when Andretti won the World Championship, so yeah, (laughs) trust your elders.
2: We did also speak to Mario Andretti a few uh, months ago. He did talk a little bit about this, so if you haven't heard the podcast we did with Mario, make sure you uh, go back, flick down and uh, listen to our hour with Mario Andretti because it is absolutely
3: wicked. Now, over the Miami weekend we saw lots about F1. But it was also the opening for the W Series. And it was the first time it was live on Sky, which I really enjoyed because it was a lot easier for me to watch on Sky. I really enjoyed it. I I think the racing was a lot better than the F1, I have to say. Maybe because the races were a bit shorter, so you needed to get more done. But I loved it. What about you guys? It was great to see Chadwick.
1: It, It was definitely very fun and entertaining to watch with the qualifying and the races and this grid this year we have new teams and new drivers and it is a strong grid i mean there are some 16 17 year old girls racing there but they have talent all of them were amazing and there was lots of action on track and it was great to see yes chadwick won both races and she is a phenomenal driver but it's also great to see more more girls trying to fight for for the wins and for the title with her, it was great to see all this action. Not even
3: the wins but a highlight of W Series this weekend for me was um, Pulling coming through the field in the second race. She drove an excellent race, she was so calculated it was just, it was lovely to watch and I think especially having not so much action in the F1 race really made up for it with W Series.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, there was, you know, W Series won on track by proving a, a really fantastic race, but they've also won in terms of the reputation. Sky Sports actually broadcast the whole thing this time. You know, last season we saw Sky Sports didn't broadcast any of W Series last year. And, you know, as a as a support race for F1, um, that was a huge miss. But now we've got W Series with the right audience. They're delivering. These girls are getting the the, the airtime that they deserve and they're delivering. And I just think, this is an incredible series that is proving again and we've said it so many times but why we should have females in motorsport in the car
3: i also think an excellent addition to the series is jenna racing because abby you mentioned how there's a lot more teams but you see chadwick in a car that car is likely to be at the forefront and i think it's great that it's jenna racing because People didn't realize how much of a fan Caitlyn Jenner was of Sport and they were like oh she's just doing it for the, the promo, the money. But she has been at races across the states and she is a high performance athlete. She knows how to talk to her girls because I saw her on the grid and she was like I need to go and support my girls so thanks for talking to me. And I just thought it's great to have a hands-on team principal who knows their, who knows their stuff
1: it was it was great to see caitlin on the grid and see her speak about bringing jamie onto the team and being like you're going to be here for this season but then i want to get you into that f3 seat and then to chloe chambers and saying yes you're i say essentially the second driver she's not but in that second seat so then next season she can take jamie's seat and be one of the best it's great to see all these girls getting what they deserve i mean They do deserve seats in Formula 3, but it's great to see this coverage and this entertainment that they're bringing. They've earned it. They've really earned it.
2: And again, some people might not realise, but one of the beauties of W Series is that they're driving mechanically identical cars, right? So we're seeing the the true racer in the car, which is something we, you know, in F1, the cars are different. Um, And also, they're not required to fund their seat. And, and, you know, it's getting the right people onto the right stage and I just, I, I love everything about it. I wish lots more motorsport series would, would follow um, the footsteps of W Series.
3: I really respect the CEO of W Series, um, Catherine Bon Moor. I've seen many interviews with her and I've seen articles and she seems like such a passionate woman about the series and I think it's great to see a CEO so involved and just she truly believes that her girls are gonna get to F one, and I think it's excellent. It's just really refreshing, especially in today's world where you think it already have been done a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean it's now what thirty years since we've had a, a woman take part in a you know a meaningful session over a Grand Prix weekend, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I, I think. It's difficult because this current generation a lot of the drivers are kind of you know uh, older and it's unfortunately probably not going to happen for them but as it, Abby as you said you know some some of the some of the guys on the grid are 16 17 years old so it absolutely could be an opportunity for them you know they need to progress to F3 and the cars aren't dissimilar they have proved that they can compete at that level and then f2 and f1 and i, I don't see why that can't happen Exactly. And it's beyond me that Chadwick didn't get into F2 for this
2: season. You know, I know that there's a lot of talk over what she was going to do this season, but as soon as we get that one of these girls into F2 against the guys, that's when the floodgates will open.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, it, absolutely. It's the threshold thing.
3: And I genuinely believe Chadwick could be the real deal because I remember watching her on a TV show years ago as a child, and like, she was cool then, and she's just. I know you say, oh, the younger girls might have more of a chance, but I think if you've got the talent of Jamie Chadwick, you could push it and you could, you could be the first. I think she's going to be a trailblazer. I really do.
2: And she's only 23.
3: No, that is not old. But when you're racing against 16 year olds, you get what I mean. Well,
2: no, what I meant by oh. that is, you know, it feels like it's nearing the end of her career, you know, because we've known her for so long and she's had the success, but you know,
0: she's, she's just getting going. Oh, don't get me wrong. I was, I was referring to some of the some of the drivers in their kind of early thirties. I fully, fully think Jamie Chadwick is in that window, and she is clearly good enough.
3: Maybe she'll take a Williams seat soon because she's in the driver academy. Who knows?
0: I hear one's going, so
3: nah, that was a bit harsh, Sam <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, that is all that we've
2: got time for let us know your thoughts on the news this week we've given our opinions make sure you give us yours uh, you can hit us up on the Facebook groups the Twitters the Instagrams the TikTok I don't know we've got everything um, or you can just email us info at formulanerds.com drop us a line tell us your thoughts um, thank you very much Abby
1: thank you for having me and being here it's been very fun recording this episode with you
0: yeah it's been exciting Sam thank you no, thank you. I hadn't I realised how much I'd missed you, Ollie. Um, oh, n- not to The bromance. I know, there's little hearts over my head right now. Um,
2: <laughs> and Grace, you. thanks for showing up.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I won't show up next week if that's how you feel.
0: I no. mean, th- that is you know, the likelihood, isn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> well, we're just both making really weird noises at each other now.
3: Yeah just a silent language that the listeners won't know but um, if you don't want me back next week it's fine
2: we do want you back and Yay! you're going to be back on Sunday with a certain person called Jan Magnussen. Um we interviewed him uh, a couple of weeks ago and that show is coming out on Sunday uh, Grace it was a good laugh to say the least wasn't it?
3: I know I-, I came away from the interview and I was just smiling such a funny guy and it- it's great to see him and his kid thriving
2: and it was recorded just after he would got his P4 uh, in qualifying in MLS so it, it was absolutely brilliant so stay tuned for that on Sunday and then we'll be back as always with news from the nerds um, but until then peace out
3: Podcast Network.